I'm Amber Tresca, and this is About IBD. It's my mission to educate people living with Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis about their disease and to bring awareness to the patient journey. My guest on this episode is Dr. Selvi Vasudevan. Dr. Selvi was diagnosed with Crohn's disease in college and endured several surgeries and complicated recovery periods, but she didn't let it stop her from going to medical school. She was in the middle of a pediatric residency when the disease changed the course of her life again. She looked for more meaning and purpose in her journey, and she found it by first finding her own way to healing and then by sharing what she's learned with others. I caught up with Dr. Selvi at Crohn's and Colitis Congress in Austin, which is a medical meeting for healthcare professionals. We sat down for a chat in the press room during our lunch break. Be sure to listen all the way to the end for Dr. Selvi's five tips to getting through social functions and special occasions with IBD. So I was actually diagnosed in my second year of college, so I was 19 going on 20. Um, and it's interesting because looking back, I had sort of, you know, a quote-unquote sensitive stomach for years, like almost as long as I could remember. Hindsight being 2020, like I had mouth ulcers as a child, um, but nobody really figured it out. I know, and now it's like, aha. So, um, but I wasn't diagnosed until college, so what would happen was that I would have these episodes and I thought they were like a stomach virus was what I was told all the time, right? So loose stools, maybe vomiting, it would resolve, I'd be okay. And then again, it would happen. And so eventually, like, it just got to this point where the diarrhea wouldn't stop, even with the Imodium. Were you taking, like, Imodium, like, every day, all the time? Correct. Yeah. 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 And it never, because the diarrhea never resolved. Exactly. Uh Exactly. And then um, my parents were like, okay, well, let's at least take a look at this. And Mm -hmm. um, one of our family friends, who's actually a cardiologist, God bless him, um, started me on the path to figuring out what was going on. So he ran basic blood work and he ran a sed rate. Mm -hmm. And my sed rate, I remember, was over 90. Um, And I don't remember, I think I was anemic, I don't remember the exact number at this point, but... um, and then he referred me to a gastroenterologist, a friend of his, colleague of his, who, um, oh, I'm sorry, I need to back up for a second. He okay. also ran um, an upper GI series with a barium swallow and saw um, thickening in the terminal ileum, which showed inflammation. So he said, all right, you need to see my friend who's a GI doctor. And that guy, he was, uh, didn't have the greatest bedside manner. <laughs> I know. Imagine that, right? Yeah, I know, right? Um, very clinical. Uh, so he ran through, like, you know, anybody who's in medicine or knows that lingo a little bit, ran through, like, differential diagnoses. So he went through four things that it could be. One was Crohn's disease. One was infectious, TB. Okay. And then one was something else, which I forget. And the only one that stuck with me that day was cancer. And I flipped out. And I came home, and I prayed, and I prayed, dear God, please let this not be cancer. Please let this not be cancer. And I guess I should have been a little more clear on my prayer. Because <laughs> God answered that one. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Um, so I was not going to go back to him again. So um, we found another pediatric GI doctor Okay. who uh, took a look at all my scans, ran some blood work, the basic blood work, um, and then did a colonoscopy. And um, on Valentine's Day, which up until that point had been my favorite holiday ever. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, ruined. Oh. Kind of, yeah. yeah. My mom felt bad, and she went and got me flowers and all that. Yeah. Um, and then we went back to the office, mm-hmm. and um, that day he told me seven words that would change the track of my life forever. Mm-hmm. That Selvia and Brady have Crohn's disease, mm-hmm. and my life would never be the same.
So you were in college. Yes. And what was your major in college? Chemical engineering. <laughs> really, was it? Yes, it was. Yeah. Okay, you graduated with that, but then you went on to graduate school. That's right. Yeah. Um, so I uh, went on to medical school, and actually, if I can mention just real briefly, when yeah. I was in college, um, I initially, I took a semester off just to digest all the information and all of that. Yeah. And then uh, my last semester of college, you know, where I was heading towards graduation, looking towards medical school, um, life really got turned upside down. Like that's when I had a spontaneous large interest in perforation. Wound up in the hospital, um, backing up briefly, like I had a fever and I was never a person to get fevers. So I'm sitting in my dorm room with a fever of 104. Go to student health services, they draw blood, my white count was 0.8. So, Nothing. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm like, what is going on? Yeah. Um, and so they were like, you need to go to the hospital now. Yeah. Well, of yeah. course, I wanted to go where my GI was, which was like, I was in college in New York City. My GI was in Westchester. So okay. I needed to like, get my parents and like get to Westchester. Um, was hospitalized for a few days. Mm -hmm. They ran tests. They couldn't figure out what was going on. My belly was hurting so badly I couldn't stand up straight. Um, and I was convinced that I was fine because I needed to go and graduate college. Like, I had better things to do. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, in a few days. Yeah, and then, like most kids. Right? You know, yeah. Did not I interested. Watch? I don't have time for this. Yeah, no, yeah. please. <laughs> you might need surgery. Are you kidding me? No. <laughs> and then they found I had a, a spontaneous perforation in my large intestine. And uh, I didn't have a choice. I had to have surgery. You had to have surgery. Apparently, yeah. they told my parents I had 24 hours to live. I was going to say, how long were you walking around with this spontaneous? Few days. Few days. Yeah. Um, uh, and the morning of surgery, my stomach was literally as hard as this table. Like, yeah. Rock yeah. Rock. Yeah. And and oh my gosh. And were you, like, what was um, the outcome of that? Like, what what complications did you have as a result of that? So I. Um, Ironically, the surgery was on the day of my mother's birthday, and I think I was more broken up about that yeah. than the actual surgery. You have, you have a history here of having like, <laughs> you know, major things happen on like, you know, holidays well, and days. stuff. Oh I my know. gosh, it's crazy. Um, I remember just crying like from when they said I needed surgery, like yeah. the day before, all the way until they rolled me into the OR and they gave me, um, I don't know what they gave me, something uh, Valium or something to calm me down, and yeah. then it was just like boom. And I was like, all right, now I'm good. Now I'm good. <laughs> Wheel me in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do what needs to be done. And the sweetest, like, you want to talk about medical staff, like the nurse's assistant who was holding my hand, like literally sat with me, held my hand for hours, consoling me. Um, it was just amazing. Um, so I went from this college student who was, you know, looking towards medical school or taking a year off, working for a year, and then going to medical school, had a job in hand to waking up with an ostomy. Um, and I was on massive steroids for almost two years, so I had this huge, um, not just a scar, but like they left huge gaps in between the incision. So um, healing it by secondary intention is what it's called, and they have these retention sutures. So there were huge gaps of unsown flesh, basically, that just needed to heal on its own. And I woke up to an ostomy on my right side, and then they had pulled the other side, the unattached um, piece of the intestine also to the skin. So I had a bag on my right side, a bag on my left side. I had two drains inside and this huge incision down the middle and was just like, what just happened? Total shock. Like I woke up with that ostomy. I couldn't even look at it for like a month. Wow. Like I would make my mom like help me take care of it because I just, yeah, I didn't want to change it. I didn't want to look at it, any of that. Did you know what an ostomy was prior to this? Never even heard of it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh my gosh. 
gosh. So yeah. It was a real shock. It was a major real shock. shock. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you think also that, um, I mean, it was emergency surgery that um, perhaps there, there just wasn't any time to discuss that with you? Do you think that's part of it? I think so, for okay. sure. It was kind of like, yeah, you don't really have a choice. You need to do this now. Yeah. Um, and my parents were worried, and my parents were freaked out, and I think on well, some... yeah. Yep. The, I mean, you could have died, like, right. easily. <laughs> Which I didn't know, of course, until after the fact. They yeah. weren't going to tell me that. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> like, by the way, you might die you in might the next die. 24 hours, yeah. so, yeah, there's that. There's yeah. that. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. So I think I also felt like I had to be strong for them, so I had to, you know, oh, be like, oh, yeah. I'm okay, everything's fine, like, I'm going to be okay, don't worry, right. like, you know, right. kind of thing, and dying on the inside, and, like, blocking things and not really allowing it to sink in. And I think I probably know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, was your mental health uh, addressed at all during no. this time? No. No. And I don't know if people, I don't actually, I honestly don't remember if people tried to address it or not, but for sure I wasn't going to go there because I was fine. Like, or at least I was going to fake that I was fine. Right? Um, but yeah, I was not fine. Yeah. Severely depressed. Um, was home for almost a year waiting for that incision to heal because they said once it healed that they could reverse things. Okay. And since I was on those massive doses of steroids, it took at least nine plus months. And in the meantime, I developed a compression fracture. So there was that pain as well. Um, it was just like one thing after the other. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So you're having, it wasn't the gap year that you wanted. No. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly not. You ended up having one, but it wasn't what you wanted. So take me through what, what, uh, what you did next when you decided to go back to school. Right, so then I wound up having that second surgery. So um, the ostomy was reversed. Um, and I feel like every post-op course wound up being this huge dramatic thing. So yeah. yeah, that time I wound up in the ICU, like my kidneys shut down, my liver shut down, like I wasn't producing. Just from a reversal? Something about the anesthesia, I think, just didn't sit oh right with gosh. me. Oh my gosh, okay. Yeah, yeah, so I was like completely groggy, out of it. Um, my GI doctor, at this point they switched me to an adult GI doctor. Um, so anyways, he walked into my room and he was just like, something weird is going on. Yeah, I think he's the one who kind of figured it out. I, I don't have 100% confirmation yeah, of this, of course, but yeah. you know, because mm -hmm. you don't know anything that's going on half the time. You're just really right. out of so it. This is based yeah. on like what my parents were telling me sure. was that he sure. basically figured it out. So then I wound up in the ICU and it was just, I was on dialysis like for oh my a week. Yeah, because my kidneys just were not producing any urine. And he would walk into the room like with this just really sad face, like serious, like, not producing urine and I, I remember teasing him I was like so when I start producing urine are you gonna do a happy dance <laughs> I mind you this man is extremely serious yeah you know like walks in like very serious very somber you know tells you what he needs to tell you and like that's it like I've never heard him crack a joke like ever mm -hmm. um, and I had this amazing nephrology fellow who would connect with me every morning her face was the first face I'd see and she just encouraged me she's like no don't worry about it you're young you're healthy like you're gonna heal don't let all of their nonsense get to you. Oh. <laughs> and I mean, you know, whether that's right or wrong, we can debate Kinda that. It doesn't matter though, it right? Doesn't matter, I mean, right. she gave you hope. Exactly, so, and that's yeah. what I needed in that time. Yeah. Um, and then one fine day, my kidneys finally kicked in and they started to produce urine. Wow. And my GI doctor walked in and I said, so, are you gonna do that happy dance? <laughs> he did. He did? <laughs> On the spot. <laughs> what did it look like? <laughs> 
No, it was kind of like a jig. And, it was a jig. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he's a tall man, so it was a sight to so see. it was funny. He was probably so worried about you. He really was. Yeah. He really, really was. Yeah. Like, everybody was, you know. Yeah. You know, if I went back and told that younger, you know, self of mine that, you know, things would be fine and I'd be where I am today, she wouldn't have believed me. She would have been like, yeah, all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How is that going to happen? Exactly. Yeah. What are you on right now? <laughs> what are you on? <laughs> So, but how did you how did you manage all of this? I mean, were you just like surviving, trying to get through medical school? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. So then I got to medical school, and to anyone who's been there knows medical school is no joke. I, I mean, even if you haven't done it, you, yeah. you, you like I mean, you don't really know what it's like, but you have this you know nebulous idea that it's a very challenging thing. And then how do you manage it with a chronic illness, especially as it sounds like yours wasn't very well controlled at the time? Correct. Yeah. Um, it was hard. It was definitely hard. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there were so many days, you know, I was thinking about this earlier um, this morning and recently, um, you know, where I would be in just so much pain, I couldn't make it to the lecture hall. Yeah. And so, you know, we had um, notes that we could refer to and there were certain things that we could do from home. But, you know, there were days where I just wanted to be there and I just, I couldn't because I was curled up in a ball in pain at home. Um, or I would be driving to a rotation like I remember driving to a rotation, like literally screaming because yeah. uh, my intestines were just in such pain. Yeah. And, um, you know, I love the medical profession. I love doctors. But sometimes there's also that pressure of like, you know, you need to pull your weight and you can't be the weakest link. And whether it's said or not, that's kind of the expectation. Yeah. Or at least that's what was definitely in my head was like, I don't want to be the weakest link. Like, I don't want to be the one who's going to be like, well, I need special help for this or that or, you know, whatever. So I would just try and suck it up and deal with it. And, you know, I had a fistula too. And that was interesting because... You know, thankfully it wasn't too active, but it was enough to literally drain me sometimes. So um, it was hard. I was very fortunate that um, some of my rotations were at a hospital that were close to my parents' house, which is where I was staying, which made life easier. So at least I had a shorter commute. Yeah. Um, third year was the toughest year where we have all of our major rotations. Okay. And um, one of my classmates wound up becoming a really good friend of mine. She was on the same track as me and supported me through a lot of stuff. Um, and I think also just being at home, having my parents, like my mom would cook for me and that support um, certainly meant a lot and great friends as well. Yeah, so you had a, a pretty good support network around you as you were coping with medical school Yeah. and Crohn's disease and a fistula. Okay, Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you graduate. Yes. Right? <laughs> you Fought made it. nail, yes. <laughs> I did. Yeah, you made it by some, just by your own sheer tenacity, I'm sure. And then, well, what did you do next? So then I, um, I went into residency for pediatrics, um, which was a joy. Um, also challenging, though, for sure. Like That is hard, yeah, yeah, to see children who are ill. Yeah, For mm -hmm. sure. I mean, I would say... Um, a big part of what was getting me through my days was just the inspiration that these kids would give me, you yeah. know? Their will to fight is like nothing I've ever seen. And their ability to recover from really, really, really devastating illnesses is amazing. All of my experiences as a patient certainly served me as a doctor, mm -hmm. too, because I could put myself in a patient's shoes in a second. Yeah. So um, you went... You did your residency mm -hmm. in pediatrics? Yes. Okay, you finished with that. Um, so, yeah, life had other plans. Life had other plans. Yes. Yeah. 
Um, or did the Crohn's disease have other Crohn's, problems? yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So um, my previous surgery site uh, decided to start stricturing. Um, and I didn't realize it. I was so, you know, focused on my work and busy and all of that um, kind of thing that I didn't notice the symptoms. I was like, okay, I'm vomiting. Well, maybe I picked up a virus from oh. one of the kids. I'm like, yeah. 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 Denial much? <laughs> 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 and then it was just like you know I was trying to push myself and I'm like just give me the steroids like I don't care like I need to push myself through and you know my GI doctor's like you really sure about that like maybe let's try something else like 6MP didn't work for me you know they tried me on methotrexate but it wasn't enough like you know I was bouncing from one thing to the next um, and so I was like just give me the steroids I don't care like I just need to get through and my body was like yeah no um and um, I was vomiting one fine day. I was on call, and I was vomiting overnight, and I just couldn't do it. Like, I couldn't stop vomiting, and I left, and I went to another hospital's ER because I didn't want to be treated at my hospital. Like, that's just too embarrassing. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> and then came back, and, um, you know, at some point, like, the pain just became overwhelming, so I'd have, like, spasms on and off, and I wound up actually in my hospital's ER just in excruciating pain, like, needing morphine. Um, and was admitted and then I don't know that they found it actually then I think they just kind of treated me for pain and for a flare and sent me home and then a few months later I needed surgery and so um, I was admitted initially to my hospital and then they transferred me to Mount Sinai and then um, there they saw that um, I developed a stricture and needed to have surgery and it was another uh, dramatic ordeal. Oh my gosh. And, <laughs> and then you're missing work this whole time, of course. Right. And that was when I knew that I was done. Oh, really? Uh, okay. Yeah. So I knew my body was just done. It was crying out. I remember being hospitalized and just crying inconsolably because I just knew mm -hmm. I was done. Like medicine, I couldn't do it. Not in that shape not in and that form. Way. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. And I thought that was it. And I didn't know, you know, what I could do. But all I knew was that I couldn't do that anymore. And some part of me, I think, deep down realized that I needed to focus on myself, although I really wasn't ready to admit that either. But, um, but yeah, it was time to finally give myself number one priority. started on a different journey yes so take me take me on that how did that begin so okay so first I would say um, after all of this happened I became really depressed and I didn't realize yeah. it until much later yeah. so at this point I felt like I lost my health I lost my job I lost my purpose I on some level lost my will to live and with all of the medical procedures and everything that I'd undergone I think I felt like I lost my dignity yeah and so at that point, I was just like, what is there? And I was just a shell of a person, really, you know, like just kind of existing. So I had a cooking blog actually for several years, and I would follow other cooking blogs. And somehow, in the course of this, um, gluten-free fell into my lap. And I was such a bread addict, like, and I'm like, I have to give that up? Like, oh my God. And I'm like, no bread, no pasta, no no buttermilk biscuits, like, no Cinnabon? <laughs> no Cinnabon, oh my gosh. Well, for a million other I, reasons I, there. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, I'm with you on that. I don't want to give that up either. Yeah. Um, 
but then at some point I thought, okay, maybe if I can ease into it, if it helps, maybe it'll actually be worth it. And so, um, so I kind of, you know, eased myself into it, decreasing slowly, and then I would substitute, like I'd use a lot of the gluten-free substitutes initially. And I started to feel better. It's like, huh, that's interesting. And then paleo fell into my lap. And then I started easing into that. And then eventually I wound up on the GAPS diet. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've heard of that. Yes. Okay, so it's kind of like the SCD diet, which is pretty popular, but sort of um, you add bone broth. And yeah. it's certainly restrictive. Yeah. yeah. Time intensive too, but mm -hmm. I feel like that finally started to give me a sense of purpose. Like here was something I could actually do. So at some point you probably realized that you could help other people on their journeys. Absolutely. Yeah. That was my big aha. And it took me a long time to get there. You know, once I finally started to feel a little better, then I started to, like, explore what do I want to do? And I started to actually enjoy life again. So I was like, okay, now I can actually build those relationships that got lost. Like, you know, find those friendships again that fell by the wayside, you know. Um, go out to restaurants, travel, like, do all of those things for a while. And then I was like, you know what? I... I'm meant to be a healer like you know that's what I always wanted to do so how can I do this um, in a way that's going to help people but in a way that's not going to hurt me and so that was when health coaching fell into my lap and I went to school for um, at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition okay um, and I became a certified health coach and so that gave me not just the nutrition background but also um, like holistic wellness you know it's we kind of talk about that and it, those words are sort of bounced around a lot but it really is a way of life for me um, and it really spoke to me and so I said okay how can I take all of these tools now my personal experience with Crohn's my love of cooking put all of that together and how can I give back to the IBD community um, and and that was when Cooking with Crohn's was born. And so, yeah, I work with people with IBD really closely um, to help them to soothe their guts naturally so they can enjoy life again. And um, it's been amazing. And so when someone contacts you through um, your website and then you get started with them, mm -hmm. uh, what's that process like? So, um, so whenever they contact me, we have... Um, a call first so I talked to them about their unique situation um, because you know as we know everybody's situation is unique no two people are the same so um, and then we figure out what are their next best steps you know sometimes it's someone else that I know that I'll refer them to sometimes it's something else um, sometimes it's something that I have um, and if it winds up being that I'm able to work closely with this person um, we tailor it to their particular situation, so their likes, their dislikes. Basically, the point is that we try and figure out what their body likes best and how to optimize their healing for them, um, given their current medications, given their current um, medical history. How can we optimize things so that their body is in the best way possible to, for example, even take their current medical regimen and make sure it's working to the best of your ability. Like, are you doing things that are inadvertently or sometimes, honestly, we do it on purpose, sabotaging our regimen? Yeah. Um, so I've seen the power of that, and that's what I try and show my clients when I work closely with them, and that's my goal for them, you know, because I've tasted how good life can be, and that's what I would love for other people to experience. Yeah. If I can do that for one person, like, that's not, you know. So I feel like that your journey meant something then. Absolutely. You know, yeah. you know, and it's like, you know, people talk about, oh, if I could do things differently and, you know, if I could rewrite the past, well, A, I can't rewrite the past and B, like, it's taught me so much. Yeah. And if I can take what I've learned and the mistakes that I've made and I can help someone else, like, it's worth it. 
So you have five tips mm -hmm. for getting through social functions or family functions when you have IPD. Yes. So, all right, Dr. Selby, <laughs> lay it on me. Okay. <laughs> well, the first one I'm going to say is, um, you know, learn to say no. So I think sometimes we say yes to things just because we feel like we're obligated to. It's okay to say no, you know, it's okay to put yourself first and in fact it's imperative um, to your healing. So if it's something that feeds your soul and you makes you feel good and you're gonna really enjoy the people who are there, then go. Otherwise, let yourself say no. Let yourself off the hook. So yeah, that's the first one before we're even talking about going. Like, do you want to? Do you not want to? All right, number two. Okay, number two um, is having a buddy or um, a wingman or I guess a wing person, not yeah. to be discriminative. Yeah. Um, you know, somebody that you can rely on, whether that's a spouse, whether it's a close friend, um, someone who has your back and maybe you have either a code word or a code like eye contact Signal. thing. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, it yeah, doesn't have to be overt, but just something so you know if things are getting to be too much and you need to get out that this person knows and they can get you out of there smoothly and it's not a scene it doesn't have to be dramatic like and sometimes just knowing that that person's there and that out is there it just makes it easier and you don't even need it in the first place mm -hmm. so it makes a lot of sense yeah, yeah. all right number three uh, number three is bringing a safe food to a family event um, and I personally love this one, obviously, because I love to cook. But yeah. it's also, I feel like sometimes people are like, oh, you poor thing, you're on this restrictive diet. Oh, you can't eat this. Oh, woe is you. And it doesn't have to be that way. Like, you know, we all have foods that we enjoy, that everyone can enjoy. So when you bring something to a family event, A, you feel like you're part of it. And B, you know, people see that you're living and, you know, you're actually able to enjoy things. And, you know, and at the very least, like, you know, you have something that you can eat that's not going to make you sick. And that gives you some peace of mind. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. All right. What are we on? Number four? Uh, yes. All right. <laughs> number four. So number four is taking a few minutes just to focus on the positive. So what I mean by this is, um, you know, the word gratitude list has been thrown around a lot, but it's just taking five minutes to list three things that you're grateful for. Um, and sometimes it's even just like, I woke up today to fight another day. That's a win as far as I'm concerned. Um, and when you do that, you shift your mindset to a more positive mindset. You look at things differently and it just decreases your stress and it makes things just that much more enjoyable. Um, so. Morning or evening, I love doing it in the morning personally because it just starts my day off on the right note. Mm -hmm. um, but that can just help to, to ease all of that chatter in your mind, all that stress that you might have around um, situations. Yeah, like that. I love that. All right. Last but not least, number five. Last but not least is to enjoy yourself. Yeah. Um, you know, and just enjoy the company, enjoy being able to be out. Like if you're actually able to be out and you've been struggling like you know just enjoy that time and you know allow yourself to enjoy those interactions make sure you avoid your trigger foods as much as possible you know i do have times where i'm like this thing that i know so and so makes is amazing and it's worth it so i'll have a spoonful or two but know your limits and um just enjoy the the event that's, I, that's such great advice. Thank you so much. I love actionable things. <laughs> I love tips. So yeah. thanks so much. I, so how has the conference been? We're at Crohn's and Colitis Con yes, Congress we are. in Austin. Yeah, yeah it's been, been so fantastic yeah. so far. Yeah. Um, but I've learned a lot for sure. I've been yeah. able to connect with some really amazing people. Right. Um, definitely feeling inspired. Yeah. Um, 
and got to see you. And it's been far too long I, since we met. I know, right? It's been a little while. <laughs> yes. You were definitely on my radar. I wanted to connect with you. Yeah. And just the fact that we were both here at this time just made it perfect. So thank you for taking an hour out of your Congress to come and talk with me. Um, your story is so impactful. You've been through so much. But I love how you have taken it and framed it and used it to be a driving force in the IBD community and to help other people. That's because I feel like that's really what it's all about. Otherwise, why did you suffer the way that you did? <laughs> it's true. It's absolutely true. And I feel like we all have our own story and, you know, everyone is just so inspiring in their own way. And yeah. the strength that this community has just never fails to inspire yeah. me. And thank you so I much for, you know, for interviewing me. And I'm, I'm so glad that we met and, you know, I'm glad that we're able to meet up here in, oh, yeah, in Austin sure. at this conference. Oh, um, yeah. And thanks for doing what you do. Oh. You know, putting these stories out there and just inspiring people. Like, thank you. Thank you so much. You're adorable. This has been so much fun. (laughs) This has been a lot of fun. (laughs) We could just go on forever. (laughs) I know, right? We could. Eh, Maybe we'll have a part two. (laughs) Thanks, Dr. Selby. Hey, super listener. Thank you to Dr. Selby for sharing her story and for the five tips for making it through family functions and special occasions with IBD. You can find Dr. Selvi on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and on her site, drselvi.com. I will put all her information in the show notes and on the episode 64 page on my site, aboutibd.com. She promised me some brownies if I pronounced her name right, so I really hope I nailed it. Did you know you can help me keep producing this show? By subscribing in your favorite podcast app and leaving a review there. I'm a small creator and I don't have funding or a staff, So I stay in business through people like you, subscribing and sharing my content. Sharing is simple, it's free, and it will ensure that I can continue to be an independent voice in the IBD community. About IBD is a production of Malintel Enterprises. It is written, produced, and directed by me, Amber Tresca. Sound engineering is by Matt Cooney, and theme music is from Cooney Studio. Until next time, I want you to know more about IBD.